Welcome to Let's Admit It, a college admissions podcast hosted by the Boise Bible College Admissions Department. Here, we aim to answer the spoken and unspoken questions of high school students and parents who are looking to learn more about a Christian college experience. You can learn more about Boise Bible College at www.boisebible.edu. Thank you for listening. Shalom. My name is Michael Gritton. I am and, and have been your host of this uh, Let's Admit It podcast hosted by the Boise Bible College Admissions Department. Uh, if you're a frequent listener with us, uh, you know that the last couple of weeks, last couple of months in this second semester of the school year, I've been introducing you to people that as a student you would uh, spend most of your time with. Those are the faculty, the staff, the professors, um, and today we're going to continue that trend by introducing you to the student dean, Mr. Dr. High Lord <laughs> Cody Christensen. Cody, hello. Hey, Mike. How's it going today? It's so good. It's so good to have you on the podcast. Thank you for being here. Absolutely. I've listened to some of the other episodes. Uh, great stuff. Got to hear some stories from some of the other faculty members and actually pick up some really good tips from some of the, the first season yeah. as well. Yeah. First season, answering a bunch of admissions styled questions. Um, interestingly enough, until we started this second season, do you want to take a stab and guess which of the first season the most listened to podcast was? Probably. I don't know. It's how I, to, I'm just it, sorry. It, it was how to write an essay. How to write an essay. That, okay. That episode got twice the viewership of every other episode. Actually, I'm really happy about that yeah. because yeah. your application essay is so important. <laughs> People don't realize that. People don't realize is. that. Cody, you actually, once upon a time, and I'm going a little bit off script here, but sure. you were actually the head of the admissions department for, what, like a year, year and a half, something like that? About three years. About three years. Actually, yes. I do my best, and sometimes I don't do very well. <laughs> well, okay, so um, I know I mentioned this to you, but just so I can get this out on the air, um, this is this is really just a conversation. Um, sure. So the, the purpose of this is um, I want people to, to know you before they need to know you, <laughs> is the way I usually say that. Um, and so I'm going to ask you questions. You have the floor. Take your time. Answer them how much with with how much uh, depth or brevity you think is appropriate. Sounds good. So the first question: You and I, we I think, yeah, last week we had talked with Tammy. So some of the stuff that I'm asking, we've already heard the um, the ins and outs of. But I'm curious about your perspective. So um, first and foremost, talk about your your background, your education. Um, ministry experience, work experience, the general interview question. Talk about you. That is such a broad question. And I meant it to be. And we can either, you know, it's very myopic or macroopic, whatever you want to call those things there. <laughs> uh, the short story is I grew up in southwest Arkansas, very rural area of the the country there, grew up on kind of a family farm, so raising cows and all of those good things as well. But my dad was an academic and also a pastor hmm. as well. And so just growing up in that, I, I always say growing up, my dad did a great job of tuning my head to Jesus 
but I didn't do a good job of allowing Jesus to tune my heart. And mm. so it created a duality within me that I was able to really follow Jesus on Sunday, but not follow Jesus Monday through Saturday. And then that culminated really in what do I do out of high school? And so honestly, I took the easy road, which is the military. <laughs> I just joined the, you know, friends were, hey, we're joining the Air Force. And I was like, hey, let's do that. And so went into the Air Force and, uh, you know, just kind of, I would say, put God on a shelf a, a little bit there as much as one can. And then uh, really towards the end of that military stint, halfway through, that's where I met Tammy. We got married. Uh, but then on the way out of the military, I'd really had some time to just kind of be with God, kind of wrestle with that. And I always call it a point of intellectual suicide mm. that I came to. Uh, we all know obviously what suicide is, but for me, I've always been a brainiac and a nerd. And so for me, I'd felt like the, the several years in the military, God had allowed me to fully live life under the sun, which is what Ecclesiastes talks about, and then really fully experience what life under the line of despair, which is what Francis Schaeffer will talk about. And honestly, there's just no rhyme or reason for life outside of God. Hmm. When you have no purpose and you have no identity and all you're doing is waking up to go to work, to come home, to pay bills, to go to work, to come home. And it's just a vicious cycle. And you can even see society in that. And I was like, I know better. I, I know there's purpose. I know there's meaning. And that really was the full conversion uh, of that moment and then really solidified a lot of, you know, then the rest of life trajectory. So you, you know, that's kind of a little background of life, but then educational background went to, uh, as soon as we got out of the military, we moved to where Tammy's from in Chambersburg, Pennsylvania. And that's where we started evaluating some colleges, kind of figuring out where we wanted to go. And uh, we chose to go to Ozark Christian College in Joplin, Missouri there, and probably spent a little over 10 years in the Southwest Missouri area there. And hmm. that allowed us time for, um, I got the, I got technically six degrees from Ozark Christian College. They made a rule against that when I left for obvious reasons. <laughs> uh, but then during that time, I was continually, I knew I wanted to tell other people what, really what to stay away from of what I had done, you know, pursue God. Yeah. So as soon as we got there, I was in ministry all the way through school. And so trying to do that non-traditional balance of, you know, having a pastorate, you know, with the church, full-time school load, working part-time and trying to balance all that commuting. So have that in the background, and then continued to pursue education through master's degree at Lincoln Christian, uh, now it's university, and then a PhD in organizational leadership through Johnson University. On the way there, I also picked up an associate in Harley-Davidson Motorcycle Technology as well, just for Which the heck of it. I'm sure is the jewel in your crown that you're most proud of. Yeah. Uh, the funny thing is, even though it was a technical degree, you know, vocational oriented, yeah. it's an associate's degree. It was actually one of the hardest ones really? that I had to get. Yes. What made it, what made it so difficult? 
I already told you, I'm a nerd and a brainiac. And so this is a degree that is massively mechanical uh -huh. and hands-on. And so I'm sitting there, you know, Monday morning trying to figure out what suck, squeeze, puff, wheeze is. And my classmates are drunk, hung over and doing yeah. no big deal, you know. Squeeze, and puff, I was wheeze. Just that's, like, yeah, that's a, a cereal brand, isn't it? Um, yeah, or the four cycles of a combustible mm. engine. How on Whatever earth, they're mine. How yeah. on earth did Cody Christensen resident nerd get into a harley davidson how long was that degree program it was two years why on earth did you do it's that? an associate's degree well, yeah but how did you get into that was it um, on accident yeah i just stumbled one day and you know there it was and you would the, signed in and filled out your fafsa and yeah you know there was nothing better to do in the evenings than you know to put on more schooling um <laughs> but the other thing Honestly, I've just, I've never been a motorcycle guy mm. ever. Uh, my wife has been, she grew up. So this is totally reversed. Most situations like guys are like, my wife won't let me get a bike. It was just the opposite. Tammy <laughs> thought it was so weird that I had no connection to motorcycles. Interesting. And she's like, what do you mean? You've never ridden a motorcycle or whatever. You know, she grew up with that. And so, you know, started on the little you know, 50 cc scooter running around town there. And just so happened the community college couple of is 30 minutes down the road started an associate's degree with Harley Davidson, uh, the company. Hmm. And one of the, the things actually from an organizational standpoint, Harley Davidson was noticing most of their mechanics were coming from the motorcycle mechanics Institute, MMI, which they have one in, I think it's Wyoming and Florida great technicians, but they didn't have an understanding of the broader sense of the organization. And mm. so they partnered with a community college that would help with some of the gen ed stuff. So all the things that we focus on here, the English and the speaking and uh, those critical components, those were some of the things they were missing from some of the technicians and they wanted to round it out. And I was like, my gosh, I mean, who doesn't want to, you know, a degree in Harley Davidson I mean, motorcycle technology. What a conversation technology. piece, if for nothing uh, else. Yeah, uh, I would say also the second thing for me. Generally, no one really wants to just offhandedly talk about the cosmological argument for God, but they do want to show you their motorcycle. <laughs> and so, especially for people that they're not used to church, they're not used to talking spiritual conversations. It was a way for me to try and dive into that world and yep. to understand it from an insider's view. To be a fly on the wall watching you <laughs> transition from, so this is the exhaust port. <laughs> By the way, what are your thoughts on, uh, you know, uh, Freudian, not Freudian, I'm failing. <laughs> I got a degree from this place and I have failed it miserably. Speaking of this place, Cody, how on yeah. earth did the Christensen clan make their way over to Idaho from the other area of the country? Well, I, I told you we spent 10 years Southwest Missouri and then we got a church there in Southern Illinois. And so we picked up and moved over there and um, through a, probably a very dark time. That's another podcast. It wound up into me having the opportunity to, plant a grassroots uh, church plant there in Southern Illinois, which we were there over five years at the church plant, hmm. which was 
probably one of the most beneficial times for me personally, because the group that was uh, part of the leadership team there, just really, it was a blank slate. Anything from, okay, so when do we have church? What do, what day do we have church? I I don't know. I've never had to decide this, yeah. you know. And when you have that much open space, you know, why do we meet on Sunday mornings? Mm. You know, is there is that a biblical mandate? Do we have to? One of the reasons we chose to continue meeting on Sunday mornings is when we started asking people in the community, if you were unchurched, non-Christian, and you did decide to go to church, Sunday morning is the most logical choice. So we went there. Uh, so that was a really good growth period. We had um, an incident that happened in the church uh, that, yeah, again, some dark times in the church. But that Another podcast there. But what it wound up is that Tammy had the opportunity to head the counseling department, mm. the psychology department at Central Christian College of the Bible in Moberly, Missouri. And we just talked, and for us, that was kind of a lateral move, you know? I said... I think we can stay in Southern Illinois and be at the small rural church and God will be fine with that. Or we can definitely move and, uh, you know, he'll be fine with that as well. And we chose to take that opportunity for Tammy. Um, and we went there, Central Christian College uh, of the Bible. It was a great time. Uh, we were there. We moved there on August 1st. However, then in November... I was in the PhD cohort with the former president, Terry Stein, here, and November time frame, he was like, hey, have you ever thought about being dean of students somewhere? I was like, absolutely, I'm up for anything. And he's like, we may have an opening. And I was like, oh, gosh, you were serious. Absolutely not. So, uh, and... That was the first of seven no's that I said really before coming here. There was just, I mean, the first one, I mean, I had just moved my family across yeah. country. Um, I had little kids. Tammy had her dream job. You know, all of these things just kept piling up. And every time it was kind of overcome. Uh, and so at the seventh time, I figured that after seven times, it may be <laughs> sheer disobedience. <laughs> Um, I said I was a nerd, not really smart, though. Mm. You, you know, so there's that piece to it. It's a difference between intelligence and, and wisdom. <laughs> okay, sure. You're right. <laughs> uh, and, and that was it. And yeah. so even though we had moved August 1st of 2013 to Moberly, Missouri, we moved here June 1st of 2014. Mm. And my daughter has a birthday July 15th. And so even though we lived in Moberly, Missouri for a whole academic year, she never celebrated a birthday in Moberly, hmm. Missouri. <laughs> so Interesting. Yeah, it's really interesting. interesting. So, huh. yeah, that's kind of uh, the progression there a little bit. It's kind of been all over the U.S. a little bit. Yeah. So you've been here for, this is year eight or year seven? Year seven. Year seven. Yep. So you, you are obviously academic dean or sorry dean of students yes um that that ranges from things from chapel to stuco student council student life stuff um the the absolute chaos of the last 12 months yeah. um talk a little bit about your 
uh, philosophy of, of leadership, the culture that you try to, you work to, to cultivate in this place with the student life? Sure. My philosophy of leadership is highly affected by Jesus, obviously, but in his description of the vine and the branches from John, you know, I am the vine, you're the branches. And that was part of my bachelor thesis that I wrote on is just some of that, the priesthood of all believers and those sort of things. And so Jesus talks very specifically about leadership, that leadership in the church is not comparable or compatible with what we see outside of the church. Outside of the church, we see people climbing the corporate ladder, which necessarily isn't a bad thing, but it's always selfishly motivated outside. Hmm. And therefore, when those individuals get into position, they use those positions to lord it over those that are underneath them. And Jesus was pointing specifically to the Roman soldier he was seeing, to even in some ways what the synagogue had become, the hierarchy and things. And when Jesus says, I'm the vine, you are the branches, he really pulls out this agricultural model for leadership. And so instead of like, you know, I think of the pyramid as, you know, that's kind of death, the pyramids and the whole climbing the corporate ladder. And Jesus really kind of turns that on its head and really makes it, you know, a tree, the the vine and the branches. And that idea that leadership from underneath you know, just like the trunk of a tree really is the strength of the tree, except that's not what you notice. And so that's really affected my leadership and really put it in terms of individual empowerment, um, decentralized power, and that sort of thing as well. And so when I come at leadership, whether it be the team that I run uh, the employees, or even the student leadership side. I'm viewing it more from the side of empowerment and how we can better the individual that in, that betters those that we serve. The one aspect that I tell student leaders from all the time, oftentimes we get into positions that we're overwhelmed with in leadership. And you're just like, oh my gosh, what do I do? I, I have no clue what's happening and why did God put me here and all that. Same thing with student leaders. They get into positions and they look at the job description I give them and all this. And they're like, oh my gosh, I cannot handle this. And I tell them your number one responsibility is to pray for those that God has put you in charge of. If you pray over those that God has put you in charge of every day, you know, so we give our leaders kind of a list of these are the people you're over. And I'm like, if you take that list and you pray over that list every day, ministry will come. And that's where I believe that true ministry and leadership starts is in that prayer closet. When you're just at first, their names on a list. That's all they are. But as you begin to have conversations, you begin to pray for them, you begin to text, to call, to coffee, to whatever, that list then fills up with life situations and lived experiences. And from that, just ministry naturally flows. The Spirit is, is guiding that process. 
And so for me, those are two really huge paradigms. So that mental metaphor of the tree of empowerment, and then also the understanding that the spirit is really, he knows the mind of Christ. He knows the mind of his people. And so the most loving thing, the most leadership oriented thing we can do is pray for those that God has put us in charge of. How do you think that, um, I don't want to say necessarily guides, but informs the, uh, the culture of campus? Student Council set the vision this year, and it's really kind of revolved around several things. Prayer dependency has always been, I, I'm not going to say always, but the last four or five years as we've led Student Council, prayer dependence has been a part of that. Also, spirit-mindedness has been a part of that as well. And then this year, growing together uh, was a big one as well. So their vision was growing together through spirit-mindedness and prayer dependence. And I think, just like with any vision, it becomes a measuring stick for what you do. How are we doing that? And so that prayer dependence really informs meetings, so trying to make sure that prayer isn't just the bookends for the meeting. We have an opening, closing prayer, but we actually have a spot where we are going, okay, this is our agenda, and, and God, here you go. We're going to pray over and around and through this. Um, and also coming up with creative ways as well. Both the executive team and the RA team pair up and pray over uh, the student body in their halls to off-campus and so that prayer dependence, we really try to make sure that that's not just a bumper sticker statement, but it is a lived value that we have. Mm. And then that spirit-mindedness is a continual, I would say, invitation to accountability in some ways. So we have a small community here. It's not that small, but you know, you have people that are, they know who you are mm -hmm. and trying to help you uh, to form that. And so I would say that really does form the culture here. And people notice that when they come on campus, they, <laughs> you talk to some of our visitors and they will even say there is something different, mm -hmm. even just driving on campus. Yeah. Uh, and there's uh, just a different feel. And I believe some of that comes from these values, the values that we have as a college for community, one of the values we have as a team for hospitality, even to the vision of the student council to be to grow together that familial aspect there of actually spending time being with one another uh, in a godly community, really dependent on how God is guiding us. Hmm. I want to dive into a little bit of what uh, Tammy mentioned last time I talked with her, actually, when sure. she was on the podcast. She used a a term for the two of you and your roles <clears throat> on the campus. Um, and fun fact, uh, for the seven or eight years that I've known Tammy, her name in my phone has been Tammy, quotation marks, campus mom. Um, <laughs> and so I know she mentioned that you guys view your role as the, the mom and dad of the campus. What, sure. is, what does that role mean to you? 
Let me back up just a minute with the question to another mental model. So I told you my real mental model for leadership is that agricultural model that Jesus gives us. But then the actual mental model for church polity or that structure element really is family. Mm. And so I have always approached ministry from a family-oriented perspective because we have that family as the mental model for how we do things. Not business organizational charts and all that, but family and how we interact with that. So for me, one of the reasons when Terry Stein called me to this position, my question for him was, yeah, because I was in the process of saying no, mm-hmm. you remember. And I was like, why do you even want me? Mm-hmm. I, I'm a, what, what is it about me that you see that you think BBC needs? It, you know, please help me to understand this so I can say no again is really <laughs> where that was headed. But he said, BBC, we need a pastor on campus. Mm-hmm. And, and that is what, and he said, you know, you, you fit that bill. So for me, that's where I was being called. So that dean of students role is really that campus pastor. Well, for me, that's, again, that falls into ministry. That falls right into my mental model of family as well. And so we've had the great opportunity because Tammy was called as the resident director and thus has to live on campus, then the dean of students lives on campus. So that's not generally how this position rolls, but it's been great for us because exactly like Tammy said, and and you just referenced, we really do view that role as more a parental role in there. And what I would say for me, that parental role is really guidance oriented. So as kids are, you know, as their babies, you tell them exactly what they're supposed to do. That's a fight. You get that. Um, it really, and kind of those elementary years, you know, it's still very parent over child oriented. High school, we're trying to walk beside them, but in college, you're just needing sometimes some parental advice, mm-hmm. you know, someone to talk to. Um, it, honestly, Sometimes you need freedom to do some stupid stuff. So I, I'm a real firm believer that every college student should have some stupid stories to mm-hmm. tell. I always say just don't hurt anyone and don't hurt my property. Okay, <laughs> so I don't want to do paperwork. I'll give you these, you know. Uh, and because of that, you know, that runs into especially a lot of times without COVID anyway. Uh, you know, we'll do like a midnight run to merit sometimes or yeah, just silly things outside the box just to, that's what life is about. Yeah. Um, so yeah, <laughs> just, it's funny you mentioned that, uh, two or three days ago, Kelsey and I got into a minor car accident. Oh. Um, and I, I called Sorry, my David. mom and the words that I said to her was, Hey mom, you know how sometimes I'll call you and have you tell me how to be a grown up? This is one of those times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. often, but, then, but then, yeah, oftentimes it's just like, Mom, I love you. I need you to make, I need you to let me make a dumb mistake. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> so you mentioned um, having stupid stories. Yeah. Um, and so one of the, the segments that we've um, introduced this season, what I'm lovingly calling it, uh, is the, the opportunity for professors to tell some of those 
silly, stupid stories from, from their college days, from their time at Boise Bible College, whatever. Uh, is there just an embarrassing prank or, you know, prank that you pulled on someone or that was pulled on you? Any story you want to share? I feel like all the good ones either happened to me or, or someone else. It, to really be a good prankster, you have to really be able to think outside the box mm-hmm. quite a little bit. And I've already told you, that's not my forte, <laughs> you know, so to speak. So, um, so, you know, I would probably say one of the better ones that's coming to mind really right now is most people, hopefully on this podcast, they will know the TV series, The Office, mm-hmm. correct? So we have uh, Michael Scott there. There's an episode on there where they put... Uh, Jim puts uh, the stapler in Jello. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that one? Yeah, it's the pilot episode. Okay. Oh, was that a yeah, pilot? That oh, okay. Well, there you have it. <laughs> we had ugly sweater day. This I almost believe this is the very first. So this was like 2014. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm kind of like the new guy on campus yep. and all of that. And I just remember coming into my office. Well, this was several days previous, and I was like. Yeah, you just need your stapler sometimes, you know? And I was like, this is so strange. I can't find my stapler. But didn't think another thing about it because, bless my heart, you know, who knows where I I put stuff. And then it was ugly sweater day. Uh I came in, and there's a note from Santa Claus saying, you know, sorry, I needed your stapler. My stapler is in lime green jello on my desk. And I am in like this thrift store. It looks like it was like two sizes too small, but I just grabbed something on there. So it looked like I had squeezed into a middle high school toe sock. And then I just have this jello uh, stapler there. And it was fantastic. It was awesome. What you just described to me is like the way I envision that is that you're in like this portrait above (laughs) a, uh, a fireplace and then you're just sitting in the same outfit in like a high back leather chair wearing a smoking jacket. Yeah, yeah, something like that. My I'm goodness. sure I could pull up a picture because it was what just so fantastic. That's incredible. So, I'm not sure what was better, just of that image itself or the fact that it literally took, even though this seems like just an innocent prank, which it kind of is, but... For someone to put stapler in jello, that's a process. You know, I, I mean, it is a process, but it's also a liquid to solid process as well. <laughs> and what I mean by that is there's a lot of moving parts in a stapler, mm. and there's a lot of parts in a stapler that still had jello in it <laughs> that I couldn't get out. So, as the final moment in the stapler episode, it wound up me boiling water with the stapler in it to try and get all of the jello out of the nooks and crannies. <laughs> so, it's like me boiling oh a stapler goodness. with the tongs. The saga. You know? the saga. Yeah, well, it's great. That begs, that begs a question Do you still have the stapler? I want to say yes, I do. do. It is that Thank my it is goodness. my stapler. Okay, I'd have to go back. I, so do you still do you look at it and and still remember like flashbacks? Yeah, there's several times 
every once in a while, just me and my stapler go out on a date and we rehearse that. Yeah. So it's really yeah. fun for just, both of us. Just get to relive the glory days. Yeah, Cody, absolutely. You, you said something uh, just just then. Uh, it's a it's a phrase that I learned from you, and then I spent some time in Tennessee, and I heard it <laughs> significantly more. But maybe you you listening to this podcast heard him say this, and you don't know what that means. Bless your heart. What does that mean? Oh, Mike, I'm so glad you asked. Because in the South, we have a very different way at approaching life. I believe from a very young age, you are trained in what we like to lovingly call uh, passive-aggressive behavior. (laughs) And I would think probably the quintessential of that is the bless your heart and What most Southerners would say, or if you ask my sisters, they would say, as long as you say, bless your heart, that gives you allowance to say anything you want. You can say the worst thing anyone's ever heard. Yeah, so you can say really derogatory remarks, and then it's just like, well, but bless your heart. You you know, it's like, (laughs) eh, you know. Um, However, so since I think, well, I know I'm from the South there, and I grew up with the phrase, I believe I'm very qualified to provide a technical definition for you. Please. And for that, it's very—it's just two words. It is endearing incompetence. <laughs> and I feel like that just really sums up that phrase. The endearing part, it's like, oh, and then the incompetence, like, oh, you totally missed the mark. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, uh, you, you were aiming dunce. for bull, bullseye and you shot at your foot. <laughs> oh, my. Bless your heart. Yeah, so uh, that you you came on campus my sophomore year, and so mm. I remember the the before, the during, and the after of of the the Christensen reign, or after <laughs> I guess continuation. But I remember when uh, "Bless Your Heart" was not a thing, <laughs> and then it just exploded. Oh, oh goodness. well, bless my heart. It's bless because of heart. me. Sorry about that, <laughs> Cody. Uh, as we're as we're coming to the end of our time here, there is I'm a big fan of repetitious questions on sure. this podcast. I think it's good for the audience to hear different perspectives on the mm-hmm. same question, but also I feel like it this asking the same question and hearing the different answers tells me a lot about people. Sure. And so um, the last question, the most repetitious one we've had, um, I've asked every single every single podcast, and it's this: um, if you had a a high school student standing in front of you and they were debating the uh, pros and cons, the viability of getting a degree at Boise Bible College. What advice would you give them? What encouragement would you give them? What would you say? But for a moment, let's just put ourselves in high school shoes currently. I know what it was like for me in high school, and that was just some weirdo kid on a farm trying to make it out type thing. And I didn't even though I felt that pressure of, hey, what are you going to do when you grow up? I don't think I felt it as acute and as sharply as our high school students do today. Mm-hmm. I think that's due to some of the absolute increase in the marketing, the, in, the comparison that comes with our social media platforms, the just overwhelming opportunities. So there's so many specialized fields now, and all of that comes crashing down on high schoolers to a point that, number one, it's very 
anxiety ridden Mm. anyway. And then you add all of that pressure. So it's high pressure, high anxiety. And most of our high school students, they're just, they don't know what to do Mm. on that. And so, you know, you ask them, Hey, what are you going to do when you graduate? Don't be surprised if they just like break down, cry, (laughs) run out of the room, whatever, you know, Uh, because they, they feel that. And, whether you're talking about it or not, they are definitely feeling that, talking about that. So what I would tell them in that situation, there are two things that I would say. Number one, spin your wheels wisely. Hmm. And what I mean by that is, you know, one of these days, I'm going to figure out what I'm going to do when I grow up. <laughs> and what I mean by that as well is that no one has it figured <laughs> out. You know, you, you look at so-and-so and they have it all put together, you know, and they have this and that. But then if you talk to them, you would find that there's as much middle school insecurity in them as the next person. And so don't be afraid to go out there and do something, whatever that is. And for me, I found benefit in that because I had four years to just kind of think about life But I did it in a way that actually society itself deemed admirably, which is the military. Uh, And for me, I don't feel like I gained too much individual traction because I was just kind of spinning my wheels in a certain way. But I had done it in a way that was wise in those around me. So for a high school student, what would the detriment be for you to come to an institution where you will be known, you will gain some critical learning skills, you will learn about yourself, you will grow in your leadership, you will deepen your relationship with Jesus Christ, and you will exponentially mature in your time here. You know, spin your wheels wisely in that. Uh, Because I I see a lot of high schoolers, they go out and they just kind of putz around for four or five years and they have zero to show for it. And then they're starting from ground zero again. And so just choosing those options, even if you don't choose BBC or Boise Bible College, sorry about that to anyone that copyrighted that. There you go, Boise Bible. Then you just bear that in mind as well. The second thing that I would say to any high schooler is talk about this in orientation and all. You must have a place to accept Jesus on your own terms, period. You have grown up. If you've grown up in a faith community, a faith family, you definitely know what a faith, a faith, excuse me, a family faith is. (laughs) And that's the faith of your parents, whatever they gave you. Uh, whatever that looked like, if it was devos every night or once a week or just dragging you to church, whatever that is, then the church itself has a faith. Um, and it's what you've picked up from your youth pastor and the pastor and the you know worship leader, all of these things. But now is your time. You have to take those and you have to claim your own personal faith with Jesus Christ and what that will look like. And if you don't have a space to do that in, you're going to really flounder around in your relationship with 
with Jesus. You really are. And it's difficult to do that, balancing everything. I believe Boise Bible College offers a fantastic place and a safe place for you to explore, for you to ask questions, and for you to own your own personal faith. So spinning your wheels wisely and creating and giving yourself space to have a personal relationship with Jesus is paramount. Appreciate your insight, Cody. Um, That is unfortunately all the time that we've got for today. So thank you very much for, for joining us. I know that this was, this was this, this podcast recording was a long time in coming. So I appreciate making time for it. Um, Absolutely. My pleasure. Yeah. So, uh, listeners, I hope you've enjoyed getting to uh, get to know Cody Christensen. Uh, we're going to be back next week uh, with another, another uh, faculty staff professor interview, so I hope you will join us then. God bless. Have a great week. Bye.